Our uh, next Sunday school will be um, what I've called simply ministry standards. We have uh, some standards uh, that we have for ministry. And uh, I want to do a Sunday school. It's just a short Sunday school. It'll be five or six weeks uh, on these standards that uh, people will say, oh, they're ministry standards or they're fellowship standards. Let me tell you, they're not. They're biblical standards. And we're going to find out why these are biblical standards and why the Word of God says that these are not just something Pastor Mitchell made up years ago and said, hey, if you want to be... No, these are biblical standards. And so why do we have those? We're going to look at that in our next Sunday school. So keep that in mind. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14 You've probably heard that the United States Department of Treasury has a fund that they simply call the Conscience conscience Fund. This actually started in 1811 when they received a check uh, for um, $1,500, rather, that was simply marked Misappropriated Funds. It came with the note that said that we will, uh, we will call this a contribution to the conscience fund. And if I get annoyed, uh, announced in the newspapers, I, perhaps you will get more. The U.S. Treasury realized that this is something that they would be worthy to put in there. This is for people who haven't paid their taxes. And since 1811, they have uh, taken in over... million in the first 175 years. It came with letters such as the one they received on February 6th, 1974. The letter said, I'm sending $10 for the blankets that I stole during World War II. My mind cannot rest. Sorry I'm late. It was signed simply by an ex-GI, and there was a little post strip that said, I want to be ready to meet God. We all have a conscience. That conscience is a voice inside of us that speaks. It's defined in this way. One person defined it as the inner sense of right and wrong in the one conduct and motives impelling one towards right actions to follow the dictates of your conscience. Another one said it is a complex ethical and moral principle that controls or inhabits the actions and thoughts of an individual. Another person said an inhabiting sense of what is prudent. I would eat another piece, but my conscience would bother me. In the text we're going to read, it tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our conscience. But we all have a conscience, and it is a God-given blessing to have one. And so I want to talk to you about your conscience this, and having a clean conscience this evening. Hebrews, 13, Hebrews 9, beginning in verse 13, it says, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes... Of heifers could not cleanse 
could cleanse the people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God from the power of the eternal spirit Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. I want to talk to you about, firstly, life's filter. If you have any kind of, uh, if you have a car, if you have a, if, uh, a furnace, uh, you have an air conditioner, you're going to have to change the filters. I remember when I found out I got my first car with a cabin filter. This is basically a filter that would filter when you turn on the defrost uh, or the air conditioning in your car. Uh, and uh, you could just feel the, the vents going <laughs> like there was nothing coming out. And I didn't know that there was a cabin filter. It's usually behind, uh, you usually have to open up your glove compartment and then kind of uh, wedge that open and you're behind it, you'll find a filter. And some of you, you may realize that this is the problem with your car, why your you know, windshield won't clear with defrost. But when a filter is clogged, it doesn't function correctly. On most thermostats today, programmable thermostats, it will have on the uh, a certain amount of hours and tell you to change your filter. Our conscience is life's filter. It's that little voice inside. It's the part that remembers. If you live long enough, you'll begin to realize there are things... You know, my conscience, sometimes my memory will bring up things I did in high school. I have been out of high school four times longer than I've been, I was, you know, three times longer than I was alive. Before, you know, before, when I was in high school. It can keep you awake. It can warn you ahead of time. It knows all things that you've done. The great danger is we allow our filter in life to no longer express or help us. With Sidney Harris that said, once we assage our conscience by calling it a necessary evil, we change when we begin to look at it more as a necessary and less is an evil. Another person said of a woman that he knew, she won't listen to her conscience. She never takes advice from strangers. Conscience is something that God has put in us. Our text says it is, it is the blood of Jesus that will cleanse us from dead works or literally the works of of death. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Holy Spirit clear, uh, tells us clearly that in the latter, last time some will turn away from the faith. They will follow uh, deceptive spirits and teachings from demons. These people are hypocrites, liars, and their conscience is dead. In the King James Version, in the New King James Version, it says it is seared with a hot iron. 
This would be the understanding uh, of cauterizing something. Uh, when you cauterize it, uh, you actually are killing it. Uh, it will cease to have feeling. Anyone with a third degree burn can no longer feel the skin there. It says in our day, people's consciences are going to be dead. This is something that you see in our generation. I could go on about all sorts of issues that, you know, the murder rates, the abortion, the absolute, the divorce, on and on and on. We could talk about how people have seared their conscience. They're dead. They no longer think about this. Many, this is why they take medications. We live in a day where one in I believe it's one in six Americans has to take something to sleep at night. Many of them, it's because of their conscience. It's the time of day when they can't escape the voices in their head. They can stay busy. They can have uh, all the entertainment. They can have all the other things that fill their lives with the, they don't have to think about what they've done, how they've treated, what they failed to do, whatever it might be. They fill their minds. And and medication today is rampant. Did you know most, if not all, recent mass murderers have all been on some kind of medication prescribed by a doctor so I can sleep at night or antidepressant or whatever? Most of your school shootings, go back and look it up. You'll find you have to dig deep for it. But you will find from Columbine on, they were all on meds. How could someone kill? Their conscience is dead. How does it get killed? Well, medicated to death. Entertainment tells us that people have lost their conscience. One man, Leo, Leo Tolstoy, the famous author, said the antagonism between life and the conscience may be removed in two ways. One, change your life. Two, change your conscience. Titus tells us these words to the pure, uh, to every, uh, everything is pure to those who are pure in heart. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt, unbelieving, because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. We know the word corrupted today from computers. When a hard drive is corrupted, I had a a computer in Lithuania that I wasn't going to connect to the internet. I used it as a laptop, and this was before when, you know, there was Wi-Fi. Everything had to be uh, plugged in, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use this for studying sermons. I don't need the internet for that, and uh, I can move everything over with USB. It was kind of, you know, the ancient days, uh, and someone gave me a USB stick with a virus on it, and it so I, I didn't have a, uh, any kind of protection on it, corrupted it. I lost five years worth of sermons. People corrupt by a virus 
that virus is called sin. We judge things through our conscience. You have to live with yourself. You can move from here to California. You can move halfway around the world, but you know what? Your conscience goes with you. And it will speak loud. And it will speak of what maybe no one else around you knows. It was pro golfer. She since passed away, but believe it or not, her name was Babe. Babe Zacharias once disqualified herself from a golf tournament when she had hit her ball into high grass and then hit out the wrong ball. One of her friends said, but no one would have ever known. She said, but I would have known, was her reply. It was the children of Jacob that 20 plus years down the road, they, there's a famine in the land. They go down to Egypt to buy some grain. While they're there, they don't know it's Joseph. He's now the prime minister. They don't know it's his brother. But as everything begins to happen to them, as they're beginning to see some calamities, as he's playing a little game with them, they make this statement. One of them says, speaking among themselves, they said, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph so long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in trouble. Now think about this. This is 20-something years later. They're, they're functioning. They've lied to their father about how he died. They're, they played their games on all of this. Uh, they come to this place, uh, and here they begin to experience trouble. And they go, you know what? It's, this is why. Because their conscience immediately brought it up. 20-something years ago, yeah, we, we mistreated Joseph. That's, that's why. It's life's filter. Our conscience can bring up things, whether it was five days ago or 50 years ago. It has no discernment on those kinds of time. You begin to realize time is said to heal all wounds, but it really doesn't. Mark chapter 6, Herod Antipius, verse 14. The king soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking to them. Some were saying that this must be John the Baptist, risen from the dead. This is why he can do miracles. The king had already beheaded John. And if you read the Gospels and understand, it's actually King Herod's the one who said it. No, some say he's a prophet, some say he's this, some say... No, John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Why? Because Herod had him killed. His conscience bothered him. He knew he shouldn't do it, but he got into a situation uh, and, and pride and lust and, and all of these things, probably alcohol, drove him to make a very bad decision. Now his conscience bothers him. That when he hears about Jesus, he comes to the... No, this is John the Baptist. Come back to haunt me. 
because of his conscience. Edgar Allan Poe's famous poem about the telltale heart kills someone, buries him underneath the floorboards of his house, but he can hear the man's heart beating and it's getting louder and louder and louder and it wasn't the man's heart he killed, it was his own. John 8, in verse 9, those who heard being convicted, this is those who brought the woman caught in adultery. Those who heard it being convicted in their heart when Jesus began to write on the ground. Being convicted by their conscience went out one by one. The oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. They bring the woman, he starts writing on the ground. Now, Some say he wrote specific sins down. You know, this is the only time Jesus wrote, and he wrote in the dirt, and we don't have it for all all time. It's the only time we really wrote anything. He wrote in the dirt, beginning to end. Some of them, some commentators say that, oh, it was the oldest who realized, not working, this is going to go bad, he's writing sins, I'm out of here. Others believe that he actually, from oldest to youngest, wrote their sins in the dirt. Things they had done that were worthy of death. And he went right down the line, knowing who was who. I don't know which, but I know that it was, they were convicted by their own conscience. Conscience is a loud voice that speaks and wants to help us. Now, you can't always trust all the voices in your head. Some will say, oh, this is okay, or, you know, conscience by itself is is not a good measurement. There's a place in northern Canada with a little town up there that uh, gets planes and actually has an airport and such, but they cannot use a compass because you're so close to true north, you can't get it. And they've had numbers of plane crashes there. Some would be as far as 20 miles from the airport when they finally came down. They were reading their compass wrong. Can't always trust your compass. There was a man who wrote a book, A Moral Compass. It's a great book, except for the man had a major gambling problem that cost him his marriage. You need other things, the Word of God. Sometimes you need faith. You know, with GPS, it's not one satellite that tells you where you are. It's actually three. They triangulate where you are. They'll do this with cell towers as well when they're trying to catch somebody. They figure out where you are by not one, but three. We'll give you a handle. One man said, conscience tells us the things that we ought to do right, but it does not tell us what right is. That is taught by the Word of God. 1 Timothy 1, 5 and 6, Now the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and genuine faith. And some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time 
in meaningless discussions. He goes on to say in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on prophetic words spoken about you earlier that uh, may help you fight well in, with the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. The picture there is washed against the rocks and destroyed. God has given you a voice inside to speak to you, to keep you in his will. Our text tells us that the problem is, is we don't, we sinned. All right, be honest. How many of you have sinned? All right, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar and you just sinned. So let's do it again. How many, right? We've all sinned. Right? There's all things behind those baby blues or browns or whatever you ha- color eyes you have that, you're, you, you know, that go on in your head. And the conscience that is there, the things you've said that were misrepresentatives of the things you were trying to do. The promise here is that you can be cleansed in your conscience. Because that's what we need. People will try to tell you that, oh, they've done some good things, so they're okay. But good things don't change your conscience. You'll find out very quickly if you committed adultery or murder or some major violation of life. It's, it's not how many times you do good that makes that somehow okay. It is now the issue of repentance, cleaning. You can try to change everything, move away, do all those kinds of things, but you're going to go with you. People then use drugs and entertainment to try to at least silence the conscience. When my children were very little and they had started school, we would, wait, we would take them to the bus stop. And it was right across the street from a Catholic church. Chicopee, 60,000 people, 11 Catholic churches. I'm not making that up. And so one of the, so we were at a bus stop right across. And a man would come by every morning. He would go to Catholic Mass every morning. He, got, he would stop, very nice elderly man, stop, chat with the children there at the bus stop, go on his way, not, a, not strange or anything like that. And so one morning, I'm standing there with the children, and I begin to witness to this man. He got very, very angry. I said, you can be forgiven. Oh, I can't be forgiven. I have to go earn my forgiveness. And he stormed off to Mass. Why was he going every morning? He was trying to make up for something he did in his past. I don't know what that was, but I can tell you that being religious isn't enough. There's only two ways to achieve happiness. One is to have a clear conscience, or the other is to have no conscience at all. The term here that is used 
will purify our conscience from sinful deeds. The King James Version would say dead works. These are works that literally are deadly in nature or lead to death. No spiritual life. Another commentary said that sin in general are the acts that deserve the penalty of death written by the law. That we know what we've done. And there are people that it may be as simple as a lie, or it may be as complex as you've broken nine or ten of the commandments. The promise in our scripture is that the blood of Jesus is the only hope. It involves two things that are brought out here. One is that the blood of Jesus is the only cleanser that will cleanse your sin. There are some things in life that it takes a certain kind of cleanser to clean a surface or a certain kind of spill. The only thing that will clean sin is not time. It's not good works. It's not getting religious. It is the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 7, But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 talks about Him washing us from our sins. The understanding there is first that He cleanses you. They're forgiven. They are removed from you. They no longer have power or staining ability in your life. But the second is, is that you stop doing them, or repentance. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Now repent from your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. That's the terminology that Peter uses there. That the blood of Jesus, you know, you got to wash your car around here in the winter. Or you're not going to have a car for too many more winters, right? The salt and the things they use. But it's hard to justify washing the car when it's snowing. Because you're just going to drive out of the lot and before you get where you were going before you washed your car it's going to be as bad or maybe even worse than when you before you washed it right because it can only hold so much salt and grime right same is true with the blood of jesus why repent if you're not really going to change why think the blood of jesus christ is going to cleanse you if you're just going to go out and wallow in that Mire again. 
That's your conscience that speaks to you to keep you from doing that. See, we have to deal with our sins so that we can have a clean conscience. Hebrews 10 and verse 22 says, Let us go right into the presence of God with a sincere heart, fully trusting in him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with, the, with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. That we can be clean. You can be clean before you leave here. There are people who name the name of Christ, but they, and they'll say, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me, but you're not repenting. You're going back to wallow. God can set you free right now. If you'll simply repent. Stop playing the religious games. Stop lying to yourself and others. Repent. It says that the cleansing is so that you can serve God. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself up to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Worshiping God is not just Lord, we love you. It's your lifestyle. Worshiping God happens Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Thursday at 9 o'clock. A.M. or P.M. Pick your choice. Worshiping God is your lifestyle. It's not just what we do a few times a week. Hebrews 13 In verse 18, pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything we do. I pay my bills. How I treat my wife. Everything we do. 1 Timothy 3, 8 and 9, in the same way, deacons must be well respected, having integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or disobedient, uh, dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mysteries of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. So this deacon, servers in the church, people who are in a ministry. One of two things will have to change if your conscience bothers you. Either you got to get it right or it'll pull you away. The Holy Spirit will deal with your hearts. Acts 23, verse 1, gazing intently at the high council, Paul began to speak began to speak, and he said, Brothers, I've always lived before God with a clear conscience. So we have to deal with our conscience. Because others may not know, but you know and God knows. Once you deal with the blood of Jesus and repent, striving for a clear conscience, there are some things that will help you 
One is the Word of God. What is the right thing to do? Read the Bible. It's, it's not that, well, I don't understand everything. Well, that's fine. What do you understand? I've read plenty of manuals. I don't understand everything. But I'll start working on them anyway. Got the blow-up house for the, you know, my wife brought the manual. I'm like, I got it. Oh, I missed that part. I needed to tie this. Got it. Okay, we're good now. No children were harmed in the blowing up of the house. All right. Read the Bible. Know what the Word of God says so that you and I can serve God successfully together. Because if we don't do that, what's, what do people say? I can tell you what they always say when they don't read the Bible or don't want the Word of God to interfere with what they want to do. They use the words, I feel. Mark it down. I feel we should do that. I feel I should do that. Yeah, but what does the Bible say? Let the Holy Spirit speak to your life. He's very faithful. He'll say, don't, 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 stop, stop, stop. He'll say, do, come on, do it, come on, do it. The double dare you, do it. It's very faithful. This will change your actions. Because conscience gets into motives. It'll change your relationships. It'll change your business. It'll change your life. Romans 13 and verse 5. So must you submit not only to them. This is speaking of the authorities, the civil authorities. Not only must you submit to them to avoid punishment. But also to keep a clear Conscience. A smoke detector in your house, in a place. Very interesting. The way they work, they work with a beam of light. That light is designed to hit a photosensitive cell and that it will say that it's working. When that light is disrupted, that can happen through smoke. When smoke gets in there, now the light can't be seen by the photosensitive area and it will trip. But it also can happen by spiders. Spiders are probably the most famous. When I worked in alarms, spiders were the worst. They would get into smoke detectors, build their little nest and break the light and set them off. Sometimes it can be moisture, can be steam, can be a number of things that break the light. And that sets off the alarm. One man said that our conscience resembles a smoke detector. That when there's an obstruction between us and God's light, it sends a signal to put off an alarm. I like that. I like that a lot. Doing what is right before God, and then keeping your conscience clean. 
Second Timothy 1.3, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Good conscience will take you through life. It may not be the thing at the moment that brings you profit, but it is the thing in life that will bring you credibility. I close with this. Vicki, this happened back in June. Some of you may have read this. Vicki Amodu just moved to the United States. She was looking to furnish her home. She came to the United States with nothing. She's looking to just furnish it and to... Uh, to try to make a life. She sees on Craigslist free a sofa and two chairs. She's very happy. She uh, she's, calls immediately. She arranges. She goes and picks them up. And when Vicki got there, the owner had told her the story that their uh, parents, uh, their, uh, one of their parents had recently passed away and the family was just trying to quickly get rid of everything on the property so that they could sell the house and move on. She had explained how she moved to the United States without anything, and so she was so excited to have these, she brought them into her house. But soon she discovered inside one of the couch cushions, which at first she thought was a heating pad, was uncomfortable. She began to look in further investigation. She found cash. And a lot of it, $35,000. She said, I was telling my son, come, come, come. This is money. I need to call that guy. She called the owner $36,000, who the owner, of course, was grateful for her honesty He ended up giving her $2,200 of it, of which she then purchased a new refrigerator, which she desperately needed. She said, I was not expecting a dime from him. I just wanted to do what was right. That's conscience. Vicki will sleep at night. Vicki will open a refrigerator and think, I've done what's right. Could have kept the money, but it would have aided her. You can be clean tonight. Some of you, it's what you're doing. You need to stop doing what you're doing. You need to come and let that conscience cleanse you. Some of you need to start doing something. God's dealing with you. Some of you, it's tithing. God's speaking to you. Every time I take an offering, you You'll fight your way right out of the kingdom of God. That's what you'll do. The scary thing is when God stops dealing with you about it. To deal with our conscience, that precious little voice inside our hearts that God uses to tell us what's right and what's wrong. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Conscience is a mighty gift of God.
The reason it's a mighty gift of God is it will deal with us on what is right and what is wrong. Today we have all sorts of people who will tell you all sorts of things on what they believe is right, and they'll tell you all the sorts of things that what they believe is wrong. And God has given us a conscience. The first time I lied to, you know, really lied to my mother, I, I so over went in and, Mom, I really didn't do it. I really didn't do it. I really didn't do it. That she knew I did it. I was just a young boy. She told me not to cross one street and I did it. And I, you know, lie and I came back and I didn't do it. I lying to her, lying to her, lying to her. She knew, but it was my conscience that bothered me. It's just a little child. When it comes to the issue of sin, you know what you've done. You know what you haven't done. And that voice inside you that God has put there over and over and over. We read scriptures about the conscience. It is God's gift to deal with us. And if it is corrupted by sin and tainted by the past, what we've done, what we've failed to do, the good news is Jesus Christ's blood can cleanse you. That he can wash away your past in one simple prayer that you come to God and you say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm asking you to forgive me through what Jesus did, paying the price to cleanse me from my sin. He'll hear your prayer. He'll forgive your sins. We don't need to know. You know and God knows. But it would be our privilege to say a simple prayer with you, to introduce you to Jesus Christ, to introduce you to that forgiving power through his blood. And God is dealing with your life right now, and you want your conscience clean. I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand and say, preacher, would you pray for me? I want to know what it is to have a clean conscience. I want to know what it is to be forgiven. Very quickly, slip up your hand. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You once knew God. One of the marks of a backslider is a dirty conscience. They did something. They they wouldn't confess. They wouldn't confess. And eventually it eats them and their pride enters in. And just like Joseph's brothers, just like King Herod... Oh, yeah, I know what's happening. This is my badness coming back. And you you don't have to live that way. You can get your heart right tonight. And God can forgive you. Slip up your hand, backslider. Pray for me. Pray for me. There are people here. You are saved. And your conscience is screaming loudly. Some of you, it's things you're doing you shouldn't be doing. God's convicting you. He's dealing with you. Conscience is screaming. There's others of you, you're not doing what you should be doing. And your conscience is screaming out at you. And you know you need to respond. Don't make this a little another confessional 
altar call where, bless me, Father, for I've sinned in my thoughts and my deeds, what I've done, what I feel like we would do in Catholic Church. Make this an altar that you're going to get it right. You're going to make that commitment. I'm going to stop doing. I'm going to start doing whatever it is that I can now say I have a clean conscience. I've done what the word of God says. I've done what God has dealt with me to do. I now can stand before you and say I have a clean conscience. That's a gift. That's a gift. Let's all stand. These altars are open. Worship his name. God of the ages. He is the invisible. The image of the invisible God. Let's worship his name as people find a place to pray. He is of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. The
Let's give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. Thank God.